0: Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. And now, part two of our interview with Ricky Waters. This is the Hall of Fame going to get it right this year and put three Notre Dame players in so you guys could overtake USC for the most guys? Put you in, Jerome Bettis, and put in Tim Brown. We'll put in Eddie DeBartolo too, in the contributor category. <laughs>
1: Yes, I, I think that would be, that would be the right thing to do. I think it would be awesome. I think that we all definitely deserve it. And I don't know what criteria you're looking at if you don't see us as being candidate for that. I mean, I know it myself. I mean what is the criteria? Is it longevity? I played for eleven years. Is it Pro Bowls? I have five and I have three all pros and what is it? Records. I have three in the Super Bowl, five in the playoff game as you as you have already noted. Uh I don't I don't know what else you what else I can do. I have over 10,000 yards rushing, even more if you put it together because I was an all-purpose back who played every down. Even the back now I don't play every down. So even when you look at my carries, I have four yards of carry. I'm like, come on, four yards of carry. And I stayed in on fourth down, to third down. So there were times when just getting one yard and just getting two yards was a great play. So I'm staying in for those downs where a lot of guys come out on those downs, so they're not getting those one-yard, two-yard gains.
0: Plus, you had other guys on offense. John Taylor getting 1,000 yards. You get Jerry Rice getting (laughs) 1,500 every year. And you had Steve Young running and doing all that, too. So, I mean, a lot of times you might have been the third, fourth option.
1: Definitely. And I've never played on a team where we were run first, pass second. We were always, it was always the West Coast offense, which everyone knows is pass first. And then you, you pass to set up the run instead of running to set up the pass and doing the play, play action passing. So, and I, and I'm fine with that, but it's just like, give me my just due for what I did and how I changed the game for running backs, back, wanting to catch the ball out of the backfield, wanting to run down the field and catch the ball. No backs were going down the field catching the ball that I had seen and, and, and doing the things that I was doing and, and blocking. So, I mean, It's like, I don't, I don't like the two moan horns or anything like that, but some of these things have to be said. I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't understand. Did you enjoy running the ball or catching the ball more? Uh, I, I wanted to do, I, I love running the ball because that's, you know, what I grew up watching other running backs running the ball. But I was in the mentality at the time that I truly didn't care. As long as I was helping my team, as long as I was out there making plays and and, and showing what I can I can do with my worth to my team, I was happy.
0: What was the difference between playing in San Francisco, Philly, and Seattle?
1: Well, besides the fact that I was I was the young pup <laughs> with the 49ers, and when I got to the, the Eagles, I had started uh, I went through some maturity there, but I, I started to mature more there, and I was the elder statesman at the, at the Seahawks. It's just the way, like, like you said, the way they went about things, and they, they just, they expected to win. The 49ers expected to win, they expected to do well. When I got to the Eagles, they were just, it was more like, well, I hope we do well this year, I hope we, and I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not used to that. I'm, I'm used to winning. I, I won a championship in high grade school, high school, college. I'm, I, I just won a Super Bowl. I'm not used to losing, so I don't expect to lose. I expect to win. And it was like trying to get some of the people, cause some of the people did have that winning mentality, but for the most part, it wasn't like everybody. Whereas like as a whole, everyone had it with the 49ers. I had to kind of instill it in some of the guys there at the Eagles and also at the, um, the Seahawks when I went there. You got to see Ray Rhodes mature, I will assume, during your three seasons with Philadelphia and then you got to play for for Mike Holmgren. What were those guys like? Well, I I already knew those guys. I knew they were great coaches and they did a great job. I I mean, Ray, he, he was one of my favorite coaches, actually, and I loved playing for him. He was another guy who's like a He's like a player coach. Players coach, you know. He's a, he's a guy that's gonna sit down and talk with you. He's gonna have fun with you. He's gonna let, as long as you're doing your job, and you're putting in the work like you're supposed to. He's gonna have fun with you and allow you to be loose and to play your game. And I and I like that about him. And, and we did well. I mean, we went to the playoffs my first two years there, and we just missed it my my last year there. So I mean, no. We before I got there, we were four and twelve. I think after we left we were, what, one and fifteen, so I mean it's 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 obviously that that we did pretty pretty good while I was there and we played well. And I wouldn't now that I look back on it and stuff, I'm I'm proud of what I was able to do, but I also had fun playing on all those teams. I had a chance to play with some some great players. And playing with Randall Cunningham, I would have never had a chance to Play with him, play with Warren Moon, and uh, I mean I just played with some great players. Even besides playing with the the great ones at the 49ers, so I look at it as it was a learning experience. I learned each place I was, I became a better person, a better player, and I don't think I would be the, the father, the the husband, or the humanitarian that I am today had I not play with those three teams the way it went. I mean, I'm not sure. Obviously, I would have loved to have just had a, a long career with the 49ers and, and be the all-time leading rusher for the 49ers and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I guess it wasn't meant to be.
0: I'm looking at your website here, rickywaters.com. How do you have time to do all this? You've got broadcasting. You've got camps, speaking <laughs> engagements. Uh, and you've got a, a son, it looks like, who's not only a great athlete, he's a singer.
1: Oh, he's amazing. He plays – I'm unbiased, but, man, he plays the piano. He plays the, the guitar, the ukulele. He plays the bass. Uh He's starting with the drums now a little bit. So, he's, I mean, he's just something else, and he, he's just got this golden voice. And people always ask me, man, where does that come from? I'm like, I don't know, though. It didn't come from me. <laughs> it didn't come from my wife. So this is something that he has. And, uh, I, we have, we share that love of music. I've always loved music. I've always had a studio and, and I've always had musicians come in and play and make songs and do stuff like that. And so he's always been around that. He actually knows me more for that than even playing because he's seen some of the tapes, but he doesn't really get into it. Neither one of my sons are really into the football thing. And so I'm fine with that. I'm like, you know, do you and do your own thing. He's, a, he's a total scholar. He's, he he likes, uh, technology and building robots and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm, I'm, I'm all for it because it's, it's an amazing ride for me and I'm learning a lot from that. But as far as myself, those are things I love to do. I love to teach. I love to, you know, I have my, my, I did my, my, um, golf tournament. I did my football camps and all that. It's all part of giving back for me. And the same thing with, with motivational speeches and all that kind of stuff. It's just giving back to me. Uh, I get a lot out of it. It's, I love the fact that I can go and see these kids who probably never even saw me play. I'm sure their dads know, their uncles, everybody, and maybe their moms, but not them. But they stand at attention. They're listening to me. They're, every word that comes out of my mouth, they're they're hanging on it. I mean, it feels good that I can. So obviously you want to say the right things. You want to, you want to make sure you, that you're teaching them the right thing. Things, but uh, it's a lot of fun for me going on out there and doing those things and helping the people that I'm able to help. Uh, along with my wife, helping even retired players is just like a great thing to to see because a lot of players are out there and they're hurting and a lot of things are going on with them that people don't don't know. They just think that all of us ride off into the sunset. But that's not the case for many of us we are injured uh, severely and we're not doing too well after it's over. So we've been able to help them. We mentored children as well. So I'm very happy and blessed. I've had a blessed life. God has, has blessed me a lot. I have a beautiful wife, a beautiful family. And so that's just my way of giving back.
0: And you're a smart guy. You married a lawyer.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm I, I married up. <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, she takes care of me. And that's how I started. She actually started taking care of me after it was over and helped me get all my life together and make sure everything was all my ducks were in a row and uh so it was a great it was a great thing. And that's when people start saying, man, how are you still doing so well? How are you able to, you know, still drive the car as you drive or whatever, or live in the house you live in and all that kind of stuff? And I said, man, my wife. <laughs> so they're like, man, I want to talk to your wife. I want to help me. So that's how I started. And then she made a business of it. And I told them, you know, she's a lawyer, so they knew that they could – they could trust her and that everything would be confidential. And and just the fact that I was a part of it, so they knew that I would never look down on anybody because I know the struggles that we go through. But I just want to help. And just being able to help it has been so great. And there are guys that I've been able to – bond with that I played against in the league and guys that I never really knew in the league. But we're all in this thing together. I feel like it's one big fraternity, and so I've been able to bond with guys this way, and I just think it's been great. Is there a little disappointment that the NFL doesn't take care of its former players better than it does? Yeah, I mean, I think that's been very well documented, and everyone... It's kind of saying what, what has been going on. But one good thing you have to say is the awareness. With the awareness comes, comes change. A lot of times in, in life, when you look, especially back at history, it took the awareness first. Cause people didn't even see it. They didn't even notice it. But once you have that awareness out there, you say, wow, this is what happens to players after they finish playing. This is what's going on with them. They need help. <laughs> they least, I mean, at least as far as is medical help. I mean, at least that. I mean, because this is how we got injured. This is how we got beat up like that. It's from playing football. We didn't do it in a motorcycle accident or in a car or something. It was on the football field that we became damaged and many of us to the point that we can't work. And if we work, we won't be able to keep it up. We might be able to do it for like a week or two, but we can't keep it going like the average person can and and mentally or physically keep it going. So I think that it, you know, obviously we need help. So the only place we can go is to our employers.
0: But I'll tell you one thing, though. The 49ers and the Raiders, and it seems like the Cowboys and Packers, those organizations tend to take care of their former players.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, the 49ers... Um, I'm back out on the west coast i i I feel so much at home. They welcome me with open arms. I can go to the stadium whenever I want. I can go watch practice. I can go to the games i can I sit in the luxury box I go down on the field i'm it's just pretty much carte, carte blanche and and it makes me want to do things for them too. It makes me want to help them with the outreach. Those are things I love to do anyway. I love my fans I love talking to the young players I love mentoring those guys as well they can learn from mistakes that I made why I make the same mistakes so it's just great that they're like that and they're like that with most of the people that I see uh, the first game at Levi Stadium we're out there and Joe's out there and Jerry's out there and Ronnie Lott's out there and we're, we're all out there We're all of us Daryl Pollard's out there I mean you just name it the older guys the younger guys Keena Turner Eric Wright, we're all out there. And it's just a great feeling to see those guys and to see that everyone is welcomed back the way they are. And I think it's very important. As a motivational speaker, you speak to the kids who are like you, who are adopted. Yes. What, what is, yes what's, I, that, what's, what's that experience like, and how how much can you impact their lives? And, and also kids who are in foster care and kids who are at risk kids that really need it, and more than just speaking to them, because anyone I feel like can just go speak to them and say a few good things and, you know, make sure you study and make sure you mind your manners and all that kind of stuff that you you might want to say, but the most important thing is to stay in their life, and that's what I always try to do. I talk to them, but then I also uh, make myself... Open to them so that they can, they can reach out to me. They know they can call me. They know they can ask me if they have questions. When I take my kids to the, to the fair or to the, the amusement parks or whatever, I'm taking five or six of them. I'm taking 10, 20. At at my house for Christmas, uh, I've had up to 80. At my house, heading for Christmas Eve, and I've had everyone in the neighborhood getting involved and in bringing presents and bringing bikes and all the stuff that they bring. I have, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty nice the the things that they bring for these for these young people, so that they can feel like. Obviously, someone cares about them because someone does and that they're important to us and in our society. And those are the things that that bring me a lot of joy. But it also helps helps me and helps my wife, but it also helps my kids because then they can see that they have it. First of all, they have it pretty good. <laughs> but then also, they can learn from some of these guys. A lot of them are older than they are, and they sit there and talk to them about certain things that they're going through and everything, and they learn so that they're not living in some bubble and not understanding the real world and how it how it's made up and, and, and the struggles that people are going through. And then they have more of a respect for other people. They don't laugh at people. They don't look down on people. They don't treat people uh, you know, in, in a malicious, mal um, mannered way, and I think that that's because they've grown up with these kids looking at these these other kids as their as their brothers, as their sisters, and as somebody who they respect just as much as they respect us.
0: So, at the Waters' home, does like a Jerry Rice or a Joe Montana or a Steve Young stop by, or just go? Let's go play golf this afternoon.
1: Oh yeah, well I I know that's going to happen now that I'm back. I mean that wasn't happening because I wasn't I wasn't here, but where I was, it was King Griffey, Junior. It was, uh, you know, it was guys that were that were there living in that area that we would hang out like that. But I know that will hang, that will happen here because I love to play golf. Jerry loves to play golf. And now that I'm back, we exchange numbers and all that. So I know that's gonna happen. But I'm still trying to get settled in. I just finished moving. We've been, uh, unpacking and moving and doing that thing for like three days. Actually, four days now.
0: You moved back to be close to Pebble Beach. Be honest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in Orlando, so I was close to a lot of beaches there too, but, uh, Man, you just can't beat this, this weather out here. My wife is actually from here. She grew up in Lafayette, and she went to school in Santa Clara, her undergraduate, before she went to New York Law School. So, And she has family out here, and it's just it's just a great feeling for me to be back here. Like I said, I feel like this is home for me. I lived here for 12 years out of my life. I have been accepted as one of their sons. I mean, I feel like everyone, everywhere I go, people people show me. That they, that they care about me, they, they really appreciate what I did, but at the same time, they give me my space. And, and they, uh, they understand that I'm just like everybody else, I just wanna have fun, I'm working with my kids or something, you know, I do a lot with them in the parks and different stuff like that, and they see me, they just come and say hello. And they, they let me know that they appreciate what I did for their team and for the city and all that. And that, and that's it. And it's just good. You know, it might take a few selfies and, you know, do a few autographs or whatever with some people, but that's all good. I love that actually. I love being able to make someone's day that way. And just think about it, man. If you could just, go and sign your name somewhere or just take a picture with somebody and make their day, make their week, make their who knows what, you know, and make them feel like they can go on and, and do some things and, and give them a word of encouragement. I mean, that that's a that's an easy price to pay, I think, to, to make somebody's day, to make them feel well.
0: I, I predict we're going to see you in August in Canton going in the Hall of Fame.
1: Oh, that would be awesome, man, because I, i I would really love it. Uh, I talked to all the, all the guys anyway who are already in there, and they all say, man, you should be in there, you gotta be in there, they need to put you in there. So I, I love that, that I get that, and everywhere I go, everyone's like, you should be in the Hall of Fame, and I, I, there were times when I'm overseas, and someone comes up, hey, Ricky Wallace, at first I thought they wasn't talking to me, I'm like, they, they said, Johnson, wait a minute, they said my name, and they come up and say, oh, how are you, and everything, great player, and they just, Tell me, you know, you should be in the hall of fame. So, I, I just love, I love that part of it. But I know that if, if they feel that way, whoever's judging this thing, they have to see the same things and, and understand that I should be in there. I have a question. What's it like? Excuse me. you're probably older than older than some of the professors you had. Yes, when I went back to school. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you broke up a little bit. But, yeah, uh, that was outstanding. That was uh definitely a highlight for me. I didn't know how it would be because I hadn't played in so long. I mean, I hadn't gone to school in so long, hadn't been in a classroom in so long. But it, it was so Refreshing and so enriching to me. I took my family, they loved it. My kids were just riding around the campus and just treated like kings out there, so they just loved it. And, uh, the professors were there working with them in the music department, were working with them uh, on the guitar and the piano and singing lessons, so they had nothing stopped. It was just great for them. But for me, I learned so much, it just shows that you can always learn and you can always get better and you can always do something to improve yourself. And I had so much fun sitting in those classrooms, sitting up front where normally I'd be in the middle or in the back. <laughs> now I was right up front. I'm talking to the professors, like you said, we're, you know, we're talking after class or whatever. Hey, let's get a coffee or whatever and talk about this situation or whatever is going on or, Whatever I had to, I mean, I had 10 page papers and and all kind of stuff that I had, had to do, and I had to read 10 books in this one class, and there are all the, the serious books, you know, Jeffrey Chaucer and the Canterbury Tales and Dante's Inferno, and those are not like even the easiest to read. <laughs> Most of yeah. had to read them, and just the fact that I was able to read them now, my son wants to read them now, I have all those books, he's starting to read them, and he loves them. So it's like, couldn't have been a better situation for me I had three classes that's a load for the summertime I ended up getting two A's and a B+ plus. it was just a really refreshing I didn't miss a class you know I was on time of course you know I'm going to be on time so uh it was just it was just a great experience and definitely I would tell other guys that they have the chance to go back if they haven't finished, you know, go back and do it if you can because it's just a great experience and and, and it sets such a good tone for your kids. And all the kids that I mentor, they know it as well. And so it's not just me preaching to them. You have to get your degree and you have to, do your studies and all all that stuff, I put myself in the same position you're in, and I did it. And I had to study, and it was tough. I still had to be the father. That didn't change. I still had all my responsibilities in the house. They didn't change, but I was able to get it done. So I'm just really I'm proud of myself, too. That's the other part. You can be proud. There's nothing wrong with being proud of something that you do, especially when you put that work in.
0: So they weren't looking to see if you had any eligibility remaining to play football or baseball?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, they talked about it. But I, I went out and talked to them. You know, I, I gave them a little speech and a little pep talk to the running backs, and I'm taking some of them under my wing and everything. So it, it, it's, it's really cool. And it was, it was good to see the young people. And for them to kind of not know at first, and they would treat me just like another guy. It was, it was fun for a minute until they finally realized, wait a minute, how come cameras are coming here? How come people are filming you coming into the, <laughs> to the, to the school and coming out of the classroom? And like, something's going on and they see me on TV and I'm um, being interviewed and they're like, wait a minute, he's in my class. Oh my God, that's Ricky Waters. And then, you know, it changed a little bit, but it still was cool because it started out with them. Um, Just being cool with me because I'm a cool guy. I always like that. But it was good to be able to mentor them a little bit. They asked me, you know, a bunch of questions that I could answer for them and inspire them, which was really good.
0: That does it for another edition of Sports and Torts. Our cup did runneth over today. Well, Ricky, I think, could keep going and going and going. It's like he always wanted the ball. He's a smart cookie. Yeah. He marries a lawyer, so he makes sure he's financially secure for the rest of his life. Lawyers are financially secure? Have you told your wife about that? My wife's still trying to figure that. <laughs> she got the one that isn't. <laughs> anyway, it's been a great hour. I want to thank our guest, Ricky Waters. I want to thank our executive producer, Dave Olson. Tune in again next time to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.